From Muhlenberg College, this is 2400 Chew. I'm Tammy Katzoff, and in each episode of this podcast, I talk to one Muhlenberg graduate about their current work and the industry in which that work is done. For this episode, I spoke with Mackenzie Robb, class of 2013, who works for the Bucks County Department of Health as an epidemiologist and public health preparedness planner. As I do with all of these interviews, I began the conversation by asking how and when Mackenzie became interested in her occupation. Well, so I majored in psychology at Muhlenberg, and I actually, at the time, they only had a public health minor, and I took a bunch of classes for that, and I loved every single one of the classes that I took. I had a side interest in infectious diseases, and when I finished my bachelor's degree, I think I realized that I wanted to make a difference on maybe a more macro level Mm -hmm. um, than I was initially planning with a psychology degree. And after taking some time to figure out what I wanted to do, I thought public health seemed right because I loved every class I took. So I went and got my MPH at Temple Mm -hmm. and I did the epidemiology track and I always wanted to do something with infectious diseases and I've always wanted to work for the government. So that landed me where I'm at now. All right. Well, now your interest in infectious diseases is definitely uh, coming into play, right? Yes, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Probably in a big way. For those out there who might not know, can you tell me what an epidemiologist does? So epidemiologists can be in lots of different fields, um, lots of different diseases, but in general, they study the trends in disease prevalence and incidence throughout the population. So an infectious disease epidemiologist, which is my area, would be studying, you know, which diseases are showing up where, in who, person, place, and time of disease, essentially. But there are epidemiologists who focus on chronic diseases, who focus on cancer or diabetes. I don't have my PhD. On a state level, um, most epidemiologists need to have their PhD. I'm a master's level um, epidemiologist. So I would consider myself more on the research side of things. I don't have a medical background, but I know more about the statistics end of things. And I'm learning so much from my nursing colleagues about the medical side of things, too. Before the whole pandemic uh, started, was there a typical day for you and, and what was that like? Yeah, so my typical day revolved around doing halftime epidemiology investigations and halftime preparedness planning. So there in Pennsylvania, there are 74 um, legally reportable infectious diseases. So anytime there's a positive lab report, it has to be reported to the disease system. And when we get those reports, we have to follow up on them. So anything from salmonella and E. coli to Legionella, chicken pox, Babesia, Rocky Mountain spotted fever, any of those, we would call people, find out where they might have come into contact with the disease and, you know, advise them on disease mitigation measures, things like that. So that Mm -hmm. was part of my day. On the preparedness side of it, we run flu clinics in the fall, so we would organize those things. We have trainings for our medical reserve corps, and we would write plans and do exercises in the event of a public health emergency. And how has your job changed recently? Because I imagine it might have changed a little bit. Just a little bit. So... All of those diseases that I just listed, we are not, I'm not particularly focused on right now. Our entire department is just doing COVID investigations at this point. 
I'm so proud of our team. We've reached out to over 2000 people um, and talked to almost every single one of them about coronavirus, um, which has been amazing. But yeah, those other diseases have kind of fallen by the wayside, unfortunately, but I don't think as many people are getting tested for them at the same time. So there's that and um, all the things that I think we spent many years just talking about and writing plans for. Now we're actually putting into action on the preparedness side. So you've been at your job for how long? Since July. So I'm fairly new. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So what's that been like to just kind of arrive and then be thrown into this pandemic kind of thing? What's it been like for you? I honestly think it's the best way to learn. When I first started, it was right in the middle of a hepatitis A outbreak in southeastern Pennsylvania. So that was a little bit of trial by fire. I got thrown into doing epidemiology investigations with probably the most difficult population to read. It was hard enough to get these people on the phone and then to actually get any information out of them was difficult. So that was really good training in that sense. And to have a situation like this, I feel like going forward in my career, I'll have so much, so much good experience for any future emergency or situation. Tell me about the team that you work with. Who, who does what? How many people are you working with directly every day? So normally our preparedness program is three of us planners. I have my supervisor and then um, my other planner who she organizes the medical reserve corps and runs the volunteer side of things. And then there is an epidemiology nurse, which is great that she has a medical background. And I've learned so much from her on that side. So that's our core group. But there are a bunch of other public health nurses, the restaurant inspect- food inspectors, um, they've jumped on board for coronavirus as well. And they're all helping make all those phone calls too. So I'd love to know more just about what happens during your day. So can you talk to me about yesterday, like what you did from when you started work to when you ended work? So right now with the COVID response, I'm kind of the investigator team lead. So I help coordinate, make sure all the cases get distributed evenly. I make sure that everything's, all the data is getting entered properly. Uh, We have phone calls upon phone call, phone call with the state health department. We deal with, right now, there's a lot of long-term care facilities that need our help. And we're getting a lot of phone calls from them and dealing with PPE shortages, Mm. dealing with staffing shortages and just advising them on outbreak control within their facilities. So that's mainly what my day looks like. It's very rewarding though at the end of the day when I can have a conversation with someone over the phone and I feel like I've calmed them down about what's going on, you know, and they felt like they got a lot of help out of our conversation. So what do you see as the most challenging parts of your job? I think one of the most challenging parts is not being able to make everybody happy. I mean, I think when you work for the government, that's just part of the part of the deal. But when I am working long shifts and people tell us, oh, you could be doing more with this, but when they're not actually in the response and they don't know what's actually happening, that can be really frustrating and learning how to just tune that out and keep doing what we know is helpful and important. So I think that's one of the challenging aspects. Generally, I think with this job, the snail's pace at which government stuff happens can also be a big challenge. There's a lot of steps to 
for example, requesting resources from the state. So if you're trying to get personal protective equipment or any other supplies that we don't have on a local level, um, there's a whole request process. And sometimes that can be time consuming and challenging to navigate. Um, so those are some of the, the bigger challenges. And, you know, your normal challenges with working within a team, a big group of people that have a lot of different backgrounds and a lot of different viewpoints on the way things that should be run. But I think we're doing a good job plowing through. You're obviously dealing with some very difficult and intense situations and information. What do you do to keep yourself kind of sane? How do you separate your work from the rest of your life so that you can keep going? I have to say lately, I haven't been doing a very good job of that. I've been doing a lot of work from home, so it gets hard to separate that. And I want to say that working at the health department, I'm extremely fortunate that there's kind of a wall between the data that we're getting and the people that we're calling and actually working in a long-term care facility or working in a hospital and, and watching people die. I'm fortunate that I'm not in that perspective. I'm not in that situation and I'm so appreciative and I have so much respect for the people out there who are doing that. But to keep myself sane, going on lots of walks when the weather is nice, I'm really looking forward to it warming up, Um, reading a book, just taking the time, taking the time to not watch the news, you know, having non-coronavirus related time. Sure. That makes total sense. I, I make the mistake of watching way too much news. You've been doing this for a little while. What do you wish you knew in grad school that could have been helping you on your job right now? One of the things I've actually been thinking about lately is that, you know, when you're in grad school and you're learning about the big theories and the the big concepts and all the things out there that we could do better at as a public health system, and you're motivated to change everything, there's not a lot of exposure to all of the small barriers out there. And, and you don't really, you come into the field with such big expectations. And I think um, it would have been probably helpful to know more about the challenges of working within a government and the politics and all of that to be able to expect that things don't get changed overnight. On a more um, technical level, maybe I wish I had more exposure to um some of the statistical programs and things like that. But I think on a, on a big macro level, it, it's the challenges of working within a system that has lots of little barriers to making change. So when you were at Muhlenberg, there was no public health major, so it was a public health minor, right? Uh, but now public health has become quite a popular major, I think. So for all of those students who intend to go into the type of work that you do, Um, Can you give them some words of advice or wisdom or recommendations? Um, Don't be afraid to step outside of your comfort zone. Put yourself out for a situation that you might not um, expect to go into long term. I don't know if, for instance, I did my field work for my master's with hepatitis C. And that wasn't something that I think I would have ever chosen um, initially, but it gave me such such a good research basis. Um, so I think don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Try things that you don't think are on the top of your list. Um, you might find out that you end up being really interested and really enjoying it. And for epidemiology specifically, I highly recommend um, taking as many data management and statistics courses as possible, GIS courses, 
even if they might not be the most glamorous or interesting, they're very, very useful. What do you think was the most valuable class that you took that helps you on your current job? Honestly, the research methods classes. And it's funny because I, I think any most students when they're in school think that those are the most dry or boring or just difficult classes, but they're so important. And when you see it in action, when you're actually doing it in the field, that you see how important they are. I think there's just in general in the public, there are a lot of misconceptions about this disease and, and what's going on. What do you wish that everybody knew about COVID-19 that they might not know? I think one of the things that I wish people knew, I think people put a lot of value into testing without thinking about what is the actual utility of testing. Like, what are you going to do at the end of the day when you find out that you tested positive? There's no cure out there right now. If you don't need to be in the hospital, there's nothing that the test is going to do for you. And at this point, if you have any symptoms, you should be assuming that you have it and you should be acting like that. You know, you should be self-isolating social distancing, all of those things. And testing has been a huge frustration across the board. And absolutely, there needs to be greater testing availability. At the same time, people need to be taking all of the preventative measures, regardless of if they're getting tested or not. Hmm. Well, I don't want to end on a low note. Um, so what, what is the good news? You know, from what, from what you do and what you're working on, what, what's some of the good news? The good news is seeing people... We're hearing about people coming home from the hospital who you thought this is going to be one of those people that is going to die and hearing about those people. We get hospital lists every day. I put out a spreadsheet for hospitals to fill out just to let us know how many people they have in what condition are those people? Are they currently in the ICU? Are they currently on a ventilator? And that gives us an, a better idea of what resources are being used, what, what's the bed capacity currently and mm. we use that to kind of track every day how people are doing. And there's people that we look for their names every day. And when we see someone all of a sudden where the, the ventilator column isn't checked off, that's always a good feeling. Or to be able to talk to somebody's family when we call them initially to tell them that their loved one who's in the hospital tested positive. And then to talk to them maybe two weeks later and hear that they came home and they're all doing well. That's really good. And just in general... It's, I think it's good to have the perspective to know that most people aren't dying from this. There, there are plenty of people who do well. This episode of 2400 Chew was produced by me, Tammy Katzoff, Associate Director of the Muhlenberg College Career Center. It was recorded remotely and engineered by Paul Kremposky at the studios of WMUH, Allentown, Pennsylvania. Our opening and closing music from Cowboy Bebop is performed by the Muhlenberg College Jazz Big Band.